Well, you know, there's a hymn that's coming to mind right now, and it's no turning back, no turning back. <laughs> so, since I can't turn back and walk off and have Pastor finish this, I might as well bring the Word of God to you guys tonight. Uh, first off, I'm really excited that Brandon and Valerie are here. That's awesome. Brandon's one of my closest friends, and... You know, it is really fun, like, being like, you know what the Poison Ivy room is? I say, I'll be honest, I don't know, you know what, I do know where the Poison Ivy closet is. I know where that's at. Today, uh, what, did, what was the room I told you about? Oh, the, the fellowship hall. He was asking what the fellowship, where the fellowship hall was, so that was kind of cool. But anyways, and also uh, meeting everyone, uh, I think of Justin, Jason, me and them, but especially, you know, Bo. Getting to know Bo, getting to learn how to do a really awesome handshake. That's pretty fun. And you know what? During, uh, during morning message, or uh, you know, during the greet time, Bo gave Miss Sue one of those cool handshakes, and she did it too. I'm like, look at this. <laughs> but anyways, um, Pastor came to me earlier this week, and he asked me what was going to be the topic of my message. And I was really struggling with it, because when he first mentioned this to me last week, I had a sermon already prepared uh, from college that, you know, in college we only had like 20 minutes to, to preach, and uh, the sermon was about soul winning, and so I was like, okay, I can do some of that and uh, fix it up with uh, some of the comments that the teacher had given me, but something was really nagging at me to preach about grief, so uh, I woke up one morning and God was just like, you had to preach about grief, and so I told pastor, and so that's what we're going to be speaking on tonight, and it's a really a direct result of uh, when I gave my testimony back the first Sunday I was here, uh, and I mentioned about my mom passing away. I know many people came up and talked to me about that and was wondering about some, uh, you know, were asking me about different things about that. So uh, I'm going to uh, try to uh, address that tonight in my sermon. Uh, first off, we're going to look at some biblical examples of uh, people who have gone through grief, uh, then we're going to look at um, how do, what we should do with our emotions, because obviously during grief there's a lot of emotions. We're going to see what we need to do during that time and where to put them. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to uh, look at the restoration of purpose in our life. But first off, to introduce the topic of grief, grief we will look at what grief means. And uh, we're going to look at the definition in Webster's 1828. Uh, I'm not sure if some of you older guys like know about that, but I guess my dad was like, Webster's 1828 is the best dictionary you, you have to have. So it was like the biggest book in our house. And I'd once in a while look in there, not too many times, but once in a while. But the definition is, the pain of mind produced by loss, misfortune, injury, or evils of any kind, sorrow, regret. You know, we have a lot of people who are struggling with grief in our country and in our, in our society, in our world. Uh, it's not just through the loss of a loved one, as this says. Uh, it could be a loss of a job uh, that people are struggling with, or even uh, things like health issues. Uh, I know there's some people in this church that are struggling with cancer. I know my grandma had cancer uh, you know, years ago, and it is a very difficult uh, time, and it's a lot of, a, a lot of uh, sorrow and grief that they have to go through with that. Um, also, but, and also in the world, Unfortunately, we have a lot of people who are dealing with grief, but they're not dealing with it the right way. They're not going to God about it. They're going, uh, you know, they're going to therapists. They're uh, watching things on TV, trying to help them. Some don't even deal with it. Uh, Some go back to drugs and drinking to uh, comfort them. 
but really people need to start dealing with grief. So uh, we're going to look at that tonight. Also, uh, the biblical importance of addressing grief. You know, I looked in the Bible, and there is nothing in the Bible that goes against addressing grief. And in fact, Jesus actually uh, uh, grieved. Uh, you guys might know that verse. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So if you guys are like, what was his main text today? Just tell people it was John eleven thirty five because I've always wanted to do that. So this could be like the first time we use Jesus wept as the main verse. No, it's not the main verse, but <laughs> you could tell them that. Um, but Jesus knew grief, and he wasn't afraid to address it. Uh, if you look at uh, what not addressing grief leads to, uh, it can lead to anger. It can lead to bitterness. It can lead to uh, uh, self-pity, guilt. Those aren't things that the Word of God is uh, for. You know, It's things that go against the Word. And uh, so uh, we need to make sure that we need to address uh, Address grief. And if you aren't addressing grief, you know, you could cause a lot of pain in your life. I know I've seen, you know, you, if you don't address it, it's going to keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden it will snap and things are going to go crazy. Uh, you know, it's going to be nasty and it won't be contained. And I've seen families who have struggled with grief uh, so much so that if they didn't, do it, they didn't deal with it the right way, it affected their marriage, it affected their kids, it affected every, you know, everything in their life. So uh, our first, uh, and also uh, on top of that in the Bible, uh, have you guys ever heard of sackcloth and ashes? I think you guys have heard. If you've been, if you've been to church, you've probably heard that before. Well, uh, that is an outward sign of mourning. We actually see this in Genesis 37, 34. It says, And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Uh, sackcloth was uh, not something comfortable to wear. Now, have you guys ever heard of comfort clothes? Let me tell you about comfort clothes. We were having a discussion this week about it. I know about comfort clothes. I love my comfort clothes. In fact, after the sermon, if it goes well, even if it doesn't go well, I might need to get more comfort clothes for that. <laughs> you know, hoodie, sweats. There's a new thing that I found out during the summer. Hey, dudes. Those are like pillows on your feet. It's like clouds on your feet. It's amazing. <laughs> but this isn't comfort clothes. In fact, if you see me walking around with a sackcloth, I, I ask you, please come up to me and ask me how I'm doing because I, <laughs> I obviously need help. help. But uh, it actually is something that's uh, really uncomfortable to wear. And this shows uh, that they're going through mourning. And grief is, this is the same thing with grief. Grief isn't something that's comfortable to go through. But it is necessary that, that we go through it and deal with it. So first off, we're going to look at the responses to loss, and we're going to see two responses. Pretty easy. Bad responses to loss and good responses to loss. We'll look at the bad first. Uh, in 2 Samuel's, uh, 2 Samuel 18.31, if you want to look over there. Okay, and it says, And behold... Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went, thus he said, 
O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. O Absalom, my son, my son. We see here that David is mourning for his son Absalom. Uh, Absalom, if, if you know the story, Absalom uh, rised up against David and uh, in fact was trying to go against David, uh, try to kill David. And, uh, and uh, Absalom died, obviously, in this verse. So uh, we see David. He ends up going out to the gates, out to the chamber gates, and he isolates himself almost. He isolates himself from people. But also, I, I, from going through this verse, I don't think he's talking to God. So he's isolating himself from God. He's not going to God and, and asking God for help during this time. And we see some things that he's going through. Uh, in this verse, he's definitely going through guilt. And I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the guilt he's going through is definitely the sin that he had with Bathsheba. Uh, if you remember, the, the prophet Nathan came up to him and told him about, in the future, what that's going to cause towards his family. And the loss of his son, Absalom, is definitely a uh, representation of that. Uh, we see that guilt, but also we see you know, self-pity, uh, uh, hurt. Uh, he actually wants to take the place of his son, and he... Uh, he calls out for that. So we see him dealing with it not exactly the right way. He isn't going to God and asking God for help uh, during this time. Instead, he's kind of having this uh, self-pity. And actually ends up, uh, the next chapter, it talks about his, I think it was his nephew Joab, goes into him, uh, goes unto him and tells him, hey, you know, you got to move on from this. You got to, you know, start being a king instead of being over here crying. Uh, and so that was uh, the first uh, response. We're going to look at in John 11. Uh, we can just turn over there. I'm going to be kind of skipping through uh, that chapter for the most part. We're going to look at Mary and Martha. Now, if you guys remember Mary and Martha uh, and their brother Lazarus in the Bible, they were really good friends of Jesus. And uh, in verse 17, it says, Then when Jesus came... He found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto, Jesus, uh, unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And then if we skip down to 32... Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And then if we go down to 37, it says, And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So they keep on asking him, You know, if you would have just came here earlier when Lazarus was sick, you could have healed him, but he's been dead now. And... I'm not sure if they have, like, maybe they didn't hear, because I, I don't know. I think they would hear about this, especially because they were close friends. But, I mean, by this time, Jesus had already raised uh, people from the dead already. And so they're asking him this question. So they're showing that they have disbelief in him. They don't believe on him. They don't believe that he can do this, that, uh, that he could uh, raise, them from, uh, raise Lazarus from the dead. And they were questioning him. They were, they were putting limitations on him. And they stopped believing in him and his plan. In fact, he actually had a plan in place uh, for this. He wanted to uh, show his disciples and show the people there 
uh, his power. We see down in the 39, it says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, that thou, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Uh, then, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by I said it, or which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And, at, and he that was dead come for, came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And uh, we see in the next couple of verses, I didn't include it on this list of paper with all my verses, but that the people, that people accepted Christ because of that, that people believed on God's power because of that. And, you know, at this time, Mary, Martha, the, you know, people, probably even his own disciples, they questioned him, why didn't you come? But it was all in God's plan. And actually, I, I, this kind of reminds me of a story in my own life. Um, I, my grandma, I think I mentioned that she had cancer earlier. Uh, she ended up having cancer. She was an amazing woman. Actually, uh, she, she reminds me a lot about uh, Miss Beth. I was here at her, uh, at the funeral service, and, or the uh, life service, uh, and they were talking about her, and, you know, they were talking about how she used to, uh, she had, like, the fabric and stuff, and my grandma was a lot like that, too. She could do anything with fabric. You know, a little piece, she could do anything, and she was an amazing lady, and she was a prayer warrior. Like, I mean, during the whole time she was laid up because of the cancer, chemo was having her down, she just prayed the whole time. You know, she was sitting on her couch praying, and... I remember we were praying for God to heal her up, and she didn't get better. She actually passed away. And I remember being angry at God, like, come on, God, why did you do this? And for two years of my life, I was angry at God. I was really bitter towards God. And, I mean, those were some of the worst two years of my life. Uh, And I can't really remember the exact time or day that I remembered this, but God kind of spoke to me, and it changed, changed my life completely. Uh, and my attitude towards them, because I remembered that my grandpa, my Jaji, her her husband, during the time that she was sick and stuff, she kept on saying, if it takes God taking me, you know, having me pass away, for him to get saved, so be it, let it happen. And on her funeral night, my grandpa went to my uncle, and he got saved. And I knew that. I knew that already. But I was so focused on my own hurt, on my own pain that I was going through, not having my grandma in my life anymore. I mean, like I said, she was an amazing person. She was one of a kind. And, you know, she wasn't in my life anymore. I was hurting a lot. And I was so focused on my, on my own grief. I didn't see that God had a special plan. And now, you know, now they're going to be together in heaven. Isn't that amazing? But, uh... Uh, next, we're going to look. Actually, uh, I don't have any verses. I think Pastor may have preached about this. If you didn't, maybe I heard it somewhere else. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, about Peter and the disciples, uh, after Jesus had visited them uh, and, and Thomas, uh, they went back to go fishing, uh, Peter and the disciples, uh, and after, the, after Jesus' death and resurrection. And they, they didn't move forward in the ministry of Christ. They didn't uh, 
start doing anything for the Lord. Rather, they went back to the occupation that they left for uh, that they had actually originally left because Jesus told them to follow Him. And when we are hurting, you know, sometimes we want to stay stagnant, or even worse, we go back to what we came from. Uh, you know, so many people that have overcome, you know, drug addictions or or drinking uh, alcoholism, uh, they they go back to it, you know. After something bad happens in their life, they lose a job, they, they lose a loved one, because it comforts them. And it's so sad to see that. Uh, and so we have to make sure, you know, we don't fall back to our old ways, that we continue pressing forward even though the time is hard. Uh, so those are some of the bad responses to loss. Uh, next we're going to look at some good responses to loss. And we're going to look at Job, uh, Job chapter 1. And in Job 1... Uh, the first three verses I'm just going to read just to give you some context about Job. Uh, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and shewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. So, Job has a lot. He's been very, very blessed. But, as we see later on in the chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter just due to time's sake, he loses it all. You know, he loses the camels, uh, the oxen, the, the sheep, his servants, the shepherds. You know, and then worst off, the most devastating of all, he loses his kids. And uh, we see all that. And Job, we are going to look down in verses 20 through 22. We'll see what Job does. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. If you lost everything today, and I'm asking myself this, because I don't know if I could do this myself. I'm preaching about it, but I don't know if I could. If I lost everything today, my whole family just drops down dead. I lose everything. Would I go and praise God? Say, bless God for everything that he's given to me? I don't know. That's rough. And that's what we need to do. And I pray, you know, if something like that happened, I, I would do that. But that is just a perfect example of someone that went th- is going through grief. We see later on in his, uh, his life, um, the, um, his friends, his influences in his life. Uh, his wife told him to curse God and die. His friends were trying to put doubts in his life towards his own spiritual life and towards God. But during all that time, Job did not turn from God. And you know what? Uh, in the end, I don't have the verse for this, but in the end, God gives Job more than he had that he had before he lost it all. He gave him more just because he stayed faithful. Just think about that. If you're going through loss, God has, if you're, you're doing it the right way, you're staying faithful to God, there's going to be better times ahead. Now, I'm not sure if it's going to be as big as Job's blessing, but there's going to be better times ahead. You know, and, and so sometimes we're so wrapped up in what we're, what's going on in our life, what we're, what's hurting us, that we don't look for, towards the future of what God may have in store for us. Uh, next, um, and also on top of that, I put this down as a rant point, so, so I can rant about it. 
But in Galatians 6, 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need good friends. But on top of that, we need to be good friends. So that means when someone's coming to us about grief, number one, let's not go gossiping about them. Let's not be like, oh, yeah, this person's going through a hard time. They're going through depression right now. Like, you know, don't go and spreading that around the church. But also, point them to God. Don't point them to some therapist or something. Point them towards God. Point them towards the scriptures. Encourage them. Don't be like Job's wife. Don't be like Job's friends. Encourage them. Uh, we'll look at Naomi. I have to remember this because I had a friend named Noemi. And I always want to say Noemi. But that's actually Naomi. But <laughs> in Ruth 1, uh, we'll look over there. You know, I used to, you know, I always thought Naomi was kind of a fun character uh, in the Bible, a person in the Bible. And, I, you know, she was always there for Ruth when she came back from work. She was like, so what did he do today, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt like she was like the matchmaker or something. Like, <laughs> But something that always, like, confused me, and I didn't really look into it too much, but that she changed her name to Bitter. And I'm like, why is she bitter with God? Well, that's, that's actually not what happened. Uh, we'll read in verse... Uh, 20 to 21, and she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me, ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So she changes her name from Naomi, which, uh, let's see if it says that. Uh, Naomi meant pleasant, and uh, Mara. Actually means bitter. So it wasn't meaning that she was bitter towards God. Simply was saying her time away in that land, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant at all. She lost her husband. She lost her sons. It was actually really bitter. But she realizes she was away from God. And in fact, you know, some people might be like, why are you moving back here? If you're bitter towards God, why are you moving back here? It's because she knew that she wasn't right with God. And she knew she couldn't be right with God while she's over there. She had to come closer to God. So when we're going through a hard time, we're struggling with loss, we don't need to be far away from God. We need to get closer to God. Um, and, you know, uh, um, but anyways, uh, and, and I have a quote right here about, uh, about her life. Our, um, I'm not sure if they're necessarily talking about her, but uh, it says, uh, Many are humbled, but not humble. Low, but not lowly. These have lost the fruit of their afflictions and are therefore most miserable. You know, when you're struggling with uh, things like uh, wanting to be away from God, your life's going to be miserable. If if you can't humble yourself and say, you know what, I messed up, that's on me, uh, and just go back to God and try to get things right. Because sometimes God does make you lose something, lose a job, unfortunately, sometimes lose a loved one, to wake you up and make you realize, hey, you know, you need to get right with me. So make sure that uh, we're getting right and be like Naomi who got closer to God. Uh, lastly, we're going to look at Elijah. That's in 2 Kings. Uh, and in 2 Kings, uh, I'll read through this. Uh, and it came to pass, uh, 11 through 15. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. And parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind 
into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elijah went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. We see here, you know, uh, Elijah didn't necessarily die. He was uh, taken up to the heavens. But Elijah, that was his mentor. He was being mentored by Elijah. He loved Elijah. And now that he was gone, he was mourning for that. He was sad that he wasn't going to have any more times with Elijah. Or Elijah. However... What does he do next? He picks up Elijah's mantle and keep going. You know, we see that uh, earlier on with, with uh, Peter and the disciples. They go back to what they used to do. However, Elijah didn't go back to what he used to do. Instead, he kept moving towards what God wanted him to do. He picked up that mantle. He kept on moving forward. And that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we're moving forward uh, instead of falling back or staying stagnant. So quick overview of what we just talked about, because that was a really long point. <laughs> Bad responses, isolation, self-pity, regret, guilt, that was David. Um, Mary and Martha was disbelief, looking at the hurt instead of looking at the big picture, God's plan. Um, the Peter and the disciples were refusing to deal with the loss, and they did not move forward. And fell, in fact, they fell backward, they went backwards. Uh, and also the good responses, we saw praising God and standing strong, getting back to God, uh, that was Naomi, of course, and uh, taking up the mantle and moving forward, we just saw that. So next we're going to look at the reconciliation with our emotions, and these next two points might move really, really fast, so we might get done before eight. I mean, I'm going to be good. I, I practiced, I told Pastor, I don't think I told you guys, I practiced the sermon, and I went like 40-something minutes. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I thought I was going like 10. <laughs> but uh, uh, first off, we're gonna, uh, we need to go to God with honesty. And we'll see that we're not going to look at the chapter just because it will take a lot of time. But Psalms chapter 42. In fact, if you want to, just write it down. You know, maybe read it during your devotions this week. But Psalms 42 is an honest prayer to God over discouraging times. Uh, when we're... Going to God. First off, we need to go to God and pour out everything to Him. Now, some people might say, God knows everything already. He knows me. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows my heart. But sometimes, God wants to hear that. He wants to hear us say that to Him. You know, talk to Him. You know, Brandon, you know, we've been, we haven't been around each other for like three months through, uh, with college and stuff. And you know what? He, I might see a social media post, you know, and, and, and see you know, what's going on and kind of know what's going on. But unless he's going to come and tell me, hey, this is what's going on in my life, I, you know, it's just not the same. You know, that relationship, we have like a fake relationship going on there. Uh, so we need to go to God. We need to make sure our relationship is one of not, well, he already knows my heart, but one where we go and we talk to him. Um, Also, next, we need to also redirect all our emotions. Because, again, like I said, grief has a lot. There's a lot of emotions going on. 
We need to redirect our emotions through prayer. We need to put all that emotions, all that fear, anxiety, uh, all that, and we need to put it towards one thing, praying to God. Uh, first off, we're going to look at anxiety. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but and I, I don't think I've ever told the crowd before, but I've struggled with anxiety in my life. I don't know what anxiety is, but you know I've had problems uh, before. <laughs> I got problems. Hey, that's new. No, no, it's not. Um, but like after my mom passed away, I had really bad heart palpitations. I'm not sure if you guys have had those. But man, that kept me up all night. I didn't know what it, where it came from, uh, but it went away eventually. And you know what? I feel sometimes I feel like a, a one of those posters that says "so and so days without incident." Well, right now I'm on year two with no incident, so no anxiety. Let's go. But but in First Peter five seven it says, "Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." You know, we have a lot of people that go through anxiety, go through different fears. But they don't cast their care upon God. And in our church, you know, they, they go to doctors. They go, they go to different people. And they don't actually go to the great physician, you know, God, and ask him for help. Um, and also, we, we'll see here in Philippians 4, 6-7, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Peace can be found through prayer. You know, like I said, there's a lot of people that are struggling in today's society. I know, I know a couple people, you know, where they live their life so afraid of everything. I mean, everything. They're, they're almost 20 years old, and they're getting afraid of, like, stories by the campfire about the boogeyman. <laughs> Literally, I'm not even lying. And... It's like, where's your faith in God? Go to God. Tell him. Talk to him. He'll give you peace. Trust me. I'd rather have peace than that. But, uh, but go to God. Get that peace. And uh, lastly, we're going to look in rejoicing in hope uh, in this part of the, the, the second point. We'll see in Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. Hold fast. Stand strong. Uh, also, we see in Romans 8, 8, 18, it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Um, the future holds joy, although the present holds suffering. You know, in the future we will have joy. And I think I said that uh, during, one of the, during one of the illustrations uh, in the Bible, that, you know, where you're so self-focused sometimes in our hurt and pain, we don't see the joy that's coming right around the corner. And uh, lastly, in 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will, bring, will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is really exciting. I don't know about you guys. Like, I, maybe my life just has changed since my mom passed away. 
But I used to like be afraid, you know, there'd be the annual monthly, the Lord's coming back soon. I'm like, I want to get married. I want to get married. <laughs> and they're like, the Lord's coming back soon. I'm like, but now it's more exciting, I guess, because it's like, I get to see my mom again. I get to see my grandma, my grandpa, like I said. I get to see all these people that have lost, people that I've, I've grieved over that we'll see again. Uh, and so next we're going to look into uh, my last point, which is restoring purpose in our life. I'm getting close to 750. I said I was going to start landing the plane by 755. I might land it before then. We might have early arrival. Let's go. <laughs> So, uh, first off, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. This verse is a promise that God is in control. When we're going through these hard times, times that are confusing to us, you know, why, why would God do something, uh, a certain thing, just know God's doing this because he's in control. He knows what's going to happen. We just have to stay faithful we have to stay obedient. We need to, uh, almost more important, stay ready uh, for when God reveals what he wants us to do, that we are ready to follow him and do what he wants us to do. Uh, next, we're going to look at 1 Peter 4.10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Uh, you might say that's, that's a weird verse to put in here. But... Uh, I was looking, I was, you know, studying for this message, and it, it had me rethink things. Now, when my mom died, at, you know, my mo- at Fairhaven, I feel like at times I became almost like a, a poster boy for the people who lost their parents, and I didn't like that at all. I, you know, when someone lost their parent, it was like, oh, go talk to him, go, you know, and I didn't like that. It was just like, that's hard for me, and, but instead... You know, going through this point, studying it out, you need, we, we need to rethink of what has happened to us. Not think, oh, well, I lost my mom. That's so tragic. That's so hard on me. You know, I don't want to talk to anyone. But rather, think of it as a gain, as something I've gone through, and I could help other people with it. Uh, you know, instead of looking at what has happened to us to be so hard, look at it as a blessing that will further God's work. Um, you know, so, and sometimes it's hard, you know, because... You know, we go through hard times, and we have no one there for us. And, you know, there's other people that are going through hard times, too. But we can be a help to them. And they don't have to end up going through what we had to go through, some of the struggles that we've gone through, because we had to deal with it on our own. But rather, we can help be good friends with them. Like I said earlier in the message, we can be good friends, direct them, guide them, help them out. And uh, lastly, the last point, uh, continue running the race. Uh, the race, you know, the race of the Christian life, it has hills, obstacles. You know, sometimes, uh, let me just tell you about, about this place. Andrew has taken me on the hill a couple times. And I tell you, I've been up that hill, and I've cried. I've cried a lot. Sometimes life does that. We walk up a hill, it's hard, it's, it's rough. And then we get up that hill, and there's another hill, and it's like, oh, come on now. Can I just go back down this one, because it's a little easier now. But, but sometimes life is that. And you just had to stay consistent. You had to endure. Because, you know, endurance is such a big thing. And we need to make sure that we're enduring these hard times so that we can get back, get through it, so that, you know, things can be handled differently, handled better, 
we can uh, use things for God's glory instead of using it to make us feel better or, or grieving or different things like that. Uh, not grieving, but, uh, uh, you know, to make us, ourselves feel better, although we're not helping the problem. Uh, so make sure that you're enduring. We, look at, we looked at a lot of different things tonight, and I hope that although I'm not that great of a speaker, that the message got across. And uh, I want us all to have victory over grief and the pain that we are experiencing. I know that uh, I, I've gotten to that point where I'm sick and tired of grief, uh, allowing grief to control my life, and I want to be able to have control over it myself and be able to make sure I'm going the right way, I'm getting through it.